but we're spreading something at all times. And just like these silly little activities that we did, exercise, some of us are like fear, some of us are like, yeah, some of us are like, ugh, pain, no. Okay, we have these different feelings about them. We have, somebody talks about marriage. Well, immediately something comes to mind that we're gonna spit out about marriage, kids, finances, um, anger, uh, jobs, overbearing bosses, coworkers. The list can go on and on and on. Any topic that we can give immediately, we're gonna have an opinion that's already been formed. So what are we spreading? Because it's important for us as women, we speak on average, we speak about 20,000 words a day. 20,000 words a day. Okay, guys, on average, speak 7,000. And I have to be honest, when I saw the 20,000 words a day, I went, is that all? Like, I really, I really thought, I'm like, I feel like that's flawed statistics. And so I looked on several places and they all say the same thing. So... I don't know. I feel like I say, but maybe I just think a whole lot more because our thoughts are a lot. But we speak 20,000 words a day on average. Men speak 7,000. Think about what we're spreading in those words. Wow, isn't that crazy? When we really think about it, I'm speaking that much a day. What am I spreading with those words? Because our words are something, it's a very little thing that makes a very big difference. And I brought, we're going to go to a scripture here in a minute, but I brought this as an example so my life from April until October is spent in my arena using things like this with all my horses, okay? This is one of my bits that I use on my horse. It's a very simple little thing, right? Horses are very big animals. They have lots of speed. They have lots of power. They have lots of strength. And this is just a little itty bitty thing. And this little thing can control my horse as far as where I want him to go, how fast I want him to go, where I want him to turn, how I want him to move, do the job that he's created to do, do the job I need him to do that day. This little itty bitty thing controls all of that. So let's flip over really quick. Let's look at James three. That was, you know, fairly distant. I know you're just overwhelmed with all of these things we've already got into. You're like, oh, that's enough. Let's go home now. I've learned enough. And it says, my brethren, we're going to go three, one is where we're going to start. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And we're gonna stop there and we're gonna come back to that a little later so you can mark that in your Bible. Okay, the tongue. If any man can tame the tongue, he is a perfect man. So I read that and was like, oh, thank heavens, I'm not the only one with an untamed tongue. So all of us in here, 
No one is perfect in this room, which means none of us has a perfectly tame tongue. But it is important for us to really take inventory and go, what am I doing with that little thing? Because what I learned from right there is that that little thing can cause them great damage. We've seen fires, I mean, this year more than ever, that a little itty bitty thing can cause huge damage. Our words have the exact same power. The Bible says that there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Okay, we can speak life, we can speak death. So what are we spreading? When we think about these little topics, are we spreading death? Are we spreading life? True life comes from the truth of God's word. Otherwise, we're speaking out of our own opinions, our own experiences, our own circumstances, our own realities, things that we've walked through, maybe things that we've been taught. But are we truly speaking the truth of the word of God into the situations around us? Because we're all going to face different things. We're all going to walk through different things. And I can speak out of my experience and I can cause damage in someone else's life if I'm not careful with how I use my words. Does that make sense? And so where this message kind of came from is, is I've been studying and praying this out because as I hear, I mean, our, our Conquer Connect, the whole vision of Conquer Connect is that we connect first here and connect with each other. But when I overhear and even friendships in my own life, but when I hear the connections with other people, a lot of what I hear is my opinion on this topic. And somehow that becomes truth. And so we might be in different, I've had friends that I'm in different seasons with, but then I remember when I was, I wasn't married, um, it, and it was, so it was before I got married and I had several friends go, oh, just wait till you get married, you can't have fun anymore. Just wait till you get married, it takes the fun out of everything. You won't enjoy life, you're accountable to someone. Okay, that might be their reality and that's a big bummer for them. But what they didn't realize is that they were using their words to speak from their reality to assume they're speaking truth into my reality. And so when I'm not careful and I take those words in, now my expectation of marriage is based on a truth of someone else's reality. Do we see that? And I know that's just one example, and we can use many of those examples that, I mean, you can talk about jobs, you can talk about workplaces, you can talk about finances, you can talk about, and here's my challenge to us today, what are we spreading? Because if it's not God's word, then it's quite possible that we are speaking out of our present reality. Our reality is what is truly happening to me right now. Now, things may not be pretty where I'm at right now. My finances may not be pretty where I'm at right now. I may have, um, a while back, I had, we had got kind of in a crazy loan thing with our bank on our house. Our, our loan officer wrote something completely not what we had actually agreed to on our house. So we're completely upside on our house. Okay, that's a psycho reality for me, right? So now... Speaking out of that reality, I can have the opportunity to tell you exactly what going through a bank will do to you with your house. Don't ever buy, just rent. Because this was my experience. Could you see how easy that would be? And so now I can say that. Why? Because yes, that's a truthful reality that I am facing. Is that true for you? No. But do we see how easy we spread that and how easy when we trust people in our lives that we allow those things to come in. So what are we spreading? It's a very dangerous thing. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Our words are either helping us or hurting us. Now I want you to think for just a minute. Think about a dream life that you would like to be living. And it may be just even right now. This is what I would love for my marriage to look like right now. This is what I would love for my finances to look like right now. 
this is what I would love my family to look like right now. This is what I would love my workplace to look like right now. This is what I would love my life in some sort to look like either right now or in the near future. So think about that just a minute because every one of us have one. So I'm gonna give you just a second to think about it. What's that perfect, perfect visual that you have of what that could look like? Okay, now the question to back that up, are your words right now lining up with that perfect reality that you have? Are our words right now lining up with that perfect reality that we have? I'm gonna use the, the Israelites here as an example. The Israelites, you know, they came out of Egypt and I wanna look at just a different perspective with them is I wonder what they would have said if another group of people that they heard that God was gonna bring them out of their slavery. And they wanted to know what the experience was for the Israelites. Do you wonder what they would have told them? Would they have told them, yeah, trust God, it's incredible, come out. Or would they have told them, you're better off staying there. You're better off staying there. Because what they did is they came out and as we know, they complained and 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 they looked back and they never saw God for who he was. They had never changed their thinking and changed their words to line up to what God was saying and what God was doing. Instead, they kept their slave mentality. They kept the mentality of what wasn't working. And so now because of how they feel, in their reality, if they had the opportunity to speak into the lives of another nation that God wanted to deliver, I wonder what they would have said. My thinking is, based on what I've read, they probably would have told them, you're better off staying in slavery. Why? Because their present reality and how they felt about it trumped the truth of God's word in what they would speak out because they were not aligning and living in the truth of the word. They were living in their reality and their opinion. That's what they shared. And that's what they would share. So we think about these Israelites, they, God brought them out. Wouldn't you wanna be like, yeah, God will supply all of these things. He will part seas, bread will come down from heaven. Water will come out of rocks. Like you will see things you never dreamed of. But those were none of the things that they would have shared to the next. When you look up the definition of the word complain, it actually means to remain. Isn't that interesting? Complaining actually leads us to remaining. And so in the seasons that we're in, that's why I ask, what is that thing? Because we can all have and go, God, this is what you have for my marriage. This is what you have for my job. This is what you have for my family. This is what you have for my future. This is what you have for my business. This is what you have for my finances. And I see those things but just because God says it doesn't mean we're gonna believe it and doesn't mean we're gonna line our mouths up with it, just like the Israelites. So instead, we find ourselves in a place that will actually complain about what we're not seeing instead of speaking those things that don't exist as though they do. So instead of speaking these things into existence and speaking life and giving life to the word of God, we're giving life or producing death based on what I'm not seeing. And then we wonder why I'm never seeing what God wants. I'm never seeing what God's word says. I'm never seeing the promises. Why? Because I'm keeping myself remaining in my complaining. So because I'm complaining about what I don't have and where I'm not and what is not working, I'm actually remaining in this season and I'll never actually get to that season. But our words are so powerful because in those seasons, 
We all have connections. We have connections every day. We speak 20,000 words a day. And I wonder how many of those words are lining up with the truth of God's word or how many of those words are out of my present reality. Because this is where I'm remaining. This is where I'm speaking out of. This is what I'm saying because this is where I'm at. And so our words are powerful. They affect us. They'll affect the season that we're in. They'll affect the plans and the purposes of God. They'll affect the people around us. They'll affect the atmosphere of our homes. Our words have power, more power than I think that we give them credit to having. And they're important. They are vital in what we speak. And so the first point that I want to really drive home is what are we spreading? What are we spreading? Take an inventory of what are we spreading? And we're going to look at what we should be spreading, but what are we spreading? Things like, um, I'm just going to give some examples of some words that we can speak or that people can speak into our lives because it's just as dangerous to hear and, and believe the words of someone else as it is to speak them ourselves. Because I can hear what someone else has to say about my life. And when I take those as my truth instead of the truth of the word of God, that's what's going to come out. It's not going to be the word of God. So it's dangerous in what we're hearing and dangerous in what we're speaking. But here's some examples. It's always going to be this way. It's always going to be this way. It is what it is. When we're we're talking about a spouse, he'll never change. It's just, that's just going to be him. I'm just going to be me. And we're just going to deal with how this is going to be. But he's never going to change. What'd you do? You just spoke that into existence. Our words have power. We're speaking from a place of reality and we're creating a reality. Our present reality will be a result of our words. That's how much power that our words really have. When we say things like, um, or you hear people saying, keep keep dreaming, just keep dreaming. That's a pipe dream. But you know, this is my favorite one, is um, I enjoy your optimism. Sorry, did you just criticize me by complimenting my optimism? Yes, you did. Like you are pessimist times 10 when you can criticize my optimism and pretend it's a good thing. But just keep dreaming. But I'm glad you're an optimist. Or when, when people say it's, it's just the honeymoon phase, just wait till reality sets in. I'm sorry, your marriage is not terrible. But what we do, we spoke out of our reality into someone else's. Just wait till you have kids. Life ends for you. They'll take everything from you. That might be your reality. That's not what I see God say about family in the Bible. But we speak that into other people. Why? Because we see normally it's because we're like, they're living a really good life right now. They don't know what's coming. I should warn them how terrible it is. Because somewhere we're jealous of that season or somewhere we're comparing to that season or somewhere, you see what I mean? So we so easily can speak things and allow things to be spoken to our lives that then we believe and we act on that is truth. How powerful words are and how they can change realities in the lives of people around us. And we've been given words and they're a little thing that makes a huge difference. And if we would use those for good, what could really be accomplished? So little things that make a huge difference. Um, I had said that complaining will lead us to remaining, but praise will lead us to change. Praise will lead us to change. We see that Paul and Silas, that in their present reality, they could have complained in the prison. Instead, they praised, and their recurrent reality changed. Why? Because they changed what they were speaking. We see that Jonah was in the, he was complaining, he was upset, he was throwing a fit, and he gets swallowed by the, the fish. But it wasn't until he repented, and and when you read it in different translations, it says that when he praised, 
is when he came out of the fish's mouth. His circumstance changed when his words changed. And you see that all throughout the word of God, you'll see circumstances change when we see words that are changed. But until words are changed, circumstances will remain. And so if we want our circumstances to change, if we want our reality to change, then we've got to change the word that we're speaking. Because if it's not praise, then it's usually whining or complaining or unthankfulness, and that will lead us into a place of remaining. So let's look at Ephesians 4.29. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified. And this is when we're looking at what we're spreading, this is what... The Bible is telling us that we should be spreading and what we should stay away from and why. What kinds of things should we be speaking? But 429 is where we're going to read. It says, do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and occasion so that you will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Are my words a blessing to people around me that hear me speak? Does my family feel blessed when I speak in my home? Does my family feel built up? It says that only speak things that build up. Only speak things and build up. And when we look at the Greek of that word, in the other translation, it says edify, which is building up. But it words that promote growth, wisdom, happiness, and holiness in people around us. Do the words that I speak promote growth, wisdom, happiness, and holiness in those around me? Or are they tearing down? Are they building up or are they tearing down? Corrupt is the other word used for unwholesome and it means rotten, worn out, poor quality. Another definition of it is lazy. Lazy talk. I'm just going to speak out of how I feel because I don't want to speak right. I don't want to speak what I need to speak. I know what I need to speak, but I'm going to be lazy with my words. And being lazy with my words, it will tear down the reality and the people around me. It will not build them up. And so every word we speak is supposed to build up for the purpose of the people around us, building up others according to their need. And then we're going to keep reading. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding, and slander be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, all spiteful verbal abuse, um, malevolence, be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Our words, how many of our words are fault-finding? How many of our words are resentful? How many of our words are out of anger? How many of our words? Because just because that's reality and just because it may be a true thing happening in our reality, doesn't mean it's actual truth. Doesn't mean it's actual truth. And so in this right here, I want us to look at and go, okay, what am I speaking that's contrary to the word? Is it building people up? Is it building people up? I've been studying this for a couple weeks and I've been just trying to take inventory and actually listen to myself talk on all levels. I've been listening to myself talk to myself. I've been listening to myself talk to other people. I've been listening to myself talk and I'm taking a pause before like somebody's like, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, well, I think, 
speaking out of my reality or can I back it up with the word of God? And I take a pause, why? Because my words matter and they make a difference. And if someone is asking me for advice, I think it's very important that I speak based on the word of God and not Shelby's opinion of life. Because my opinion of life does not always line up with what the word of God says. I wish it did, I'm getting there, but it doesn't right now. And so I can speak out of a place in my reality instead of speaking out of truth. So I'm taking inventory. Does everything I say, even when I am flat ticked off, does what I say to my husband build him up? Or does it find fault? Is it out of resentment? Is it out of anger? Is it out of manipulation? Is it out of control? Is it out of, what am I speaking? What's my intention behind it? Because the Bible says, unless you're ticked off, by all means, speak what you would like. But when things are going great, speak things that build people up. It doesn't say that. There is no get out of jail free card for this. So in all things, I'm supposed to build up. In all things, I'm supposed to honor God. In all things, I'm supposed to build up the people around me, not tear them down. My little words make a very, very, very big difference. Our words make a big difference. Let's look at Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always, I love when they throw in those words, always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Am I seasoning people around me? Am I building up people around me? So here's the thing, we're allowed to feel emotion because sometimes we're like, but I don't know how to not speak out of how I feel because I feel so strongly about it. Okay, God didn't tell us, God created emotion. Emotion is healthy, emotion is good. The Bible says be angry and do not sin. What does that mean? I can feel angry, I can feel broken, I can feel frustrated, but what I act on or what I activate through my mouth makes a difference. I can feel angry. It never says to speak out of anger. I can feel broken. It never says to speak out of hurt. I can feel, you see the difference? So what we put action to makes a huge difference in our lives. So my joy can be increased or decreased based on how I'm talking. So if I'm having a frustrating day, maybe I should change my words and see what happens. Um, all right, so now we've talked about what are we spreading? What are we spreading? Then immediately my feeling, and so I assume that's our feeling, is why do I say those things? Do you ever wonder why do I respond that way? I'm not meaning to. I don't do it on purpose. I don't try to react that way or speak that way. Why am I doing that? So that's our point number two. Why did we say that? Why did we say that? Let's go back to James, and we're going to continue reading there. We finished in verse 8. We're going to pick up in verse 9. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. That verse alone was incredibly convicting to me. So that's James 3, 9 is where we're at. With the same tongue, I can bless God and curse men who are, who are made in God's image. The same exact tongue. And then it says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. And now let's flip over to Matthew 12, 33. 
You guys getting something? It's good stuff, right? This is a growing message. This is one of those, we're going to grow in burning together. It's like an exercise. We'll have big talking muscles after today. So 1233, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Every idle word. So when it uses idle word, when it says bad fruit, those are all the same exact Greek word as the word corrupt that we read in Ephesians. Let no corrupt word, let no lazy word, let no unwholesome word, let no worn out or of poor quality. That's all the same exact thing in there. And so a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So why do I say the things that I say? We speak out of the abundance of our heart, right? We speak out of the abundance of our heart. So I have this, there's obviously nothing in this. We're gonna pretend there's different things in this. Our words are containers of power, okay? Our words are containers of power. Our heart, it says that our words come out of the abundance of our heart, right? We speak out of the abundance of our heart. So if it's not in me, it can't come out of me, right? Sometimes we say things out of anger, out of fear, out of, and we're like, I don't even know where that came from. It could not have come out of us if it wasn't already in us. But then the scarier part of that is that it says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means when it comes out of my mouth, it's not just in there, it's abundantly in there or it couldn't have come out. Isn't that nuts? So it had to be abundantly inside of me in order for it to come out in that situation. What's in us if we're, it's in us, if it's abundance in us, it's gonna come out. If it's not in us, it can't. It's impossible for it to come out. Impossible. But the abundance is the key word I wanna use. I need two volunteers. Rach, Heather. <laughs> I know I was gonna call on you and be like, <laughs> I know you've missed the last lines, but I have something for you. All right, I need you to pick a cup. I don't care which. Rach, pick a cup, and I would just like you to take a sip. Please look at the audience. It's important. All right, one, two, three, take a sip. Please describe your drink to us. Um, I think it's like honey and water and maybe some vinegar, like a little bit. It's really good. It's really good. All right, all right. Okay, here's the thing. These two drinks have the exact same ingredients. The exact same ingredients. Heather's has a whole lot more lemon juice. <laughs> Rachel's has a whole lot more honey. Okay? The exact same ingredients. Could be. I actually didn't make it. Brie? <laughs> when we speak corrupt things, it tastes like vinegar. 
coming out of our just, <laughs> no. All right, so you can finish yours if you would like, Rach. Heather, you're not forced to finish that. It's nasty. All right, here's why. The exact same ingredients are in this cup, but the abundance of something makes a difference in how it tastes, how much we want to drink it, and how much we want to share it. Honey, lemon juice, and water. The exact same ingredients are present in Heather's cup. The exact same ingredients are present in Rachel's cup. There was an abundance of honey in Rachel's cup. Rachel liked it. Rachel's still drinking it. That is like, you got a sore throat, that is the remedy right there. Okay, that's good stuff. Starbucks makes them there, the medicine ball, and you can get them like that. They're fabulous, okay? They're healing. They're helpful. They're good. I want to share that. Why? Because there's an abundance of honey. That does not mean there's not the presence of lemon juice. There's still a presence of lemon juice in her cup. But when the abundance is honey, the lemon juice actually adds to what's coming out. It adds a nice mixture, right? Okay, our circumstances can be exactly the same. We can be facing the same things. You can have people facing the exact same thing at the exact same time, and one is gonna produce honey, and one is gonna be sour. One is gonna be sweet, and one is gonna be bitter. Why? Because one has the abundance of lemon juice, and one has the abundance of honey. The Bible says that your words are like honey on my lips, that they are sweet. And so when I have an abundance, because here's what happens, is that when I'm facing a season and I'm a little sour towards things and I'm sour towards people, so now I'm speaking out of an abundance of sour. So my words are sour. So now I'm remaining in my sour reality. But I go to church and I read my Bible and that's fantastic. The abundance of what is in your heart is sour. And that is why it's coming out sour and now we're spreading sour into other people's lives so now I'm trying to build someone else up out of my sour environment and no one wants to be around you because you're sour and I'm spreading sour and I don't want to be around me because I'm sour but I keep speaking sour and so now I'm remaining in my sour reality and I can't get out of it but I'm reading the word but it's not the abundance same ingredients the abundance makes a difference. On the other side, when someone walks through something, a sour circumstance, but the abundance is the word of God, the abundance is the truth of the word, then that sour circumstance only adds flavor to what I can pour out. It only adds flavor to what I'm given. And it can actually be a healing remedy to someone else. The honey isn't the healing remedy in there. The lemon juice actually does wonderful things for your throat. And so that sour thing mixed with the abundance of the word of God is now a healing remedy in the life of someone else. Those sound like words that are building people up. Those don't sound like words that are tearing people down. I still faced a sour circumstance, but the abundance of what I put in me. Sometimes we can use the excuse, well, uh, my work environment's just negative. It's always gonna be negative. And I, that's just, it's just negative. And so my job is negative. I hate going to work. I hate getting there. I hate being there. And it's just negative. That's fantastic. That is a sour environment. But since we're listening to that all day long, we are going to have to abundantly put the word in us. So then that sour is not the abundance in my life. 
because if what's coming out of my life is sour, that will reveal the abundance in our heart. We speak out of the abundance. If it's not in us, it can't come out of us. But we speak, that's the key word, abundance, 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 abundance. Just because the word's in you does not mean it's abundantly in you. And we wonder why we're reacting and speaking on things that are contrary to the word of God. When I'm studying the word, it's because I got a whole lot more sour coming into my life than I do sweetness that I can pour out. So do we see that? The abundance? Let's look at um, Proverbs sixteen twenty four. with that and thinking about that, that abundance there. And it says, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. So when I speak out of the abundance of the word of God, it's not only health to me and sweet to my soul, it's health to people around me and sweetness to their soul. It's like a, honey, a honeycomb. And so you can face sour circumstances and still be able to walk out in sweetness. And we can actually use the sour to bring healing to people around us. That's how our words were created, but it's all out of an abundance. So if it's not in us, so think about for a minute, what kind of things can get in us? We can fill ourselves with the word of God. We can fill ourselves with teaching. We can fill ourselves with podcasts. And those are fantastic things, but that has to be in abundance to everything else we're thinking, we're meditating on, that we're letting in, that we are careful to guard what's allowed into my life. So we gotta filter this. Okay, what can come in? It can be what people said. That can come in. So now I'm pouring out what people said. It can be that maybe I'm insecure and I'm abundantly insecure, so the words that come out of my mouth are all a source of insecurity. Because here's what we try to do is sometimes we just try to mask our words. I'll just talk better it's still gonna come out when we get stirred up. When we get stirred up, that's what's gonna come out. When that got stirred up, Rachel's was good and Heather's was awful. It got stirred up. So when it gets mixed up, what's coming out? Insecurity, is it jealousy, is it anger? What is the root? So that is my challenge to us. Why do we speak the things that we do? Don't just look at the surface words coming out of your mouth. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is the root? What is the, is it rooted in insecurity? Is it rooted in, rooted in bitterness? Is it rooted in unforgiveness? Is it rooted in anger? Is it rooted, what is rooted in me and how can I change that abundance? But what is the root? Because just changing our words without dealing with the root, the root is still going to produce the abundance in our life. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. So when my roots are abundantly the word of God, then I produce fruit accordingly. That doesn't mean that there aren't negative things that happen in my life. That doesn't mean that people aren't speaking negativity into my life. That doesn't mean that people aren't criticizing me. That doesn't mean that, man, all hell may break loose in my house. But that means the abundance of what's in my heart is centered on the word of God. That doesn't mean that bad things aren't gonna happen, they're gonna happen. But that's all the more importance that we need to place on what I'm filling myself with because then it can come out of me. And if the abundance is of the world, then I'm gonna respond and spit out the things of the world. I'm not gonna be able to build up people around me because it will always be based on those roots that are on the inside of me. And so what is the abundance? Very, very, very important. So my intake, what I intake, determines what I'm going to meditate and that will result in what I activate. So my intake will determine what I meditate 
and that will result in what I activate. So what is coming in is what I'm gonna meditate on and what I'm meditating on is gonna get in my heart and that's gonna thing, be the thing that I activate through my words because the abundance will speak. So if my intake is more sour, if my intake is negativity, if my intake is what's going wrong, if that's my intake constantly, then that's gonna be how I meditate and those are gonna be the things that I activate and then we will remain and remain and remain. But when I change my intake, then it changes what I meditate and then it changes what I activate with my mouth. So our intake determines what we meditate, which results in what we activate. And so then point number three, how do we fix it? So now I know what I'm spreading. Now I know why I'm spreading that thing. Now, how do I fix it? Point number one is we gotta take responsibility. We gotta take responsibility, because here's what we do. She made me say that. He made me say that. My circumstance made me, I would normally not talk that way, but I wouldn't respond like that, but this is what happened because of, here's what we do. Here's what you're saying. When you blame something you did an emotion, a word, or an action on someone else, you are saying, I render myself powerless and give the person, place, or thing all power over my actions, emotions, feelings, and words. None of us want to come out and say that that way, but that's what we're saying. He made me, she made me, you made me, that made me. I render myself powerless and give all power and control to you. That's what we're saying. So first and foremost, we have to decide that just because someone did something to you, they have no control over your abundance, you do. And so the first thing I have to do is I have to take responsibility and go, that came out of me, which means that was in me. And it wasn't just in me, it was abundantly in me. And so now I've got to change my abundance because if it wasn't in abundance, it couldn't have come out. And so this has to change. So I have to take responsibility for my abundance. It can't come out if it isn't first in you. Proverbs 13, 3 just a page back from where we just were. It says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Who has control to guard? Me. Who has control to open wide my mouth? Me. I have control. So I have to take responsibility of what is actually in me. Number two is I have to deal with the root and not the surface. What is coming out of my mouth is a heart condition, not a mouth condition. What is coming out of my heart is a heart, or what, out of my mouth is a heart condition, not a mouth condition. We can change our words for so long when everything is going great. But if we don't deal with the heart condition, the abundance isn't actually being changed. And so our goal is that we want to change what's in here. Not my might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's look at Psalms 141.3. Because I know that's a hard point. And you're like, oh man, well, how do I do that? How do I change the root? Well, again, it says the Holy Spirit is our enabler and he is our helper and he teaches us all things and he grows us in all things and he reveals all things and he brings all things to our remembrance. So the Holy Spirit will reveal it. And that's the scripture when it says, not by bite nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm not gonna do it in my own strength. When I try to change my condition in my own strength, it will only lead to frustration. And then we give up and that's when we start saying, it's always gonna be this way. It's always gonna be this way. I can't change, that's just me. Have you ever heard someone tell you that? That's just me, that's just the way I am. 
That is true, but we can change that. We can change into who he has created me to be, not who I have created me to be or settled with myself being. So Psalm 141.3, it says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So how do we get to the root of things? How do we really change? Well, we fill ourselves with the abundance of the word, but ask for God's help. Ask for God's help. Ask him to reveal areas because there's things, guys, if we could fix it in our own strength, we'd all be perfect, right? And no one's perfect, which means we need God's help to be who God's created us to be. I need God's help to speak how God wants me to speak. I need God's help to think how he wants me to think. I need God's help. And that's okay, but first we have to say, I take responsibility for what's in me. God, show me why I'm speaking what I'm speaking. God, show me how to fix what I'm speaking. God, set a guard over my mouth. That's a wonderful visual. Like, I just wonder what that looks like. <laughs> you guys will have your own picture. God, set a guard over my mouth. So um, I had the shoer out the other day. And uh, I have a horse that really doesn't like to, well, he's hurt right now. So he really, really doesn't like to pick up his foot. And we were trying some different things to figure out what's going on. Well, they have this thing called a twitch. And it's not like the mean ear twitch thing. But they'll pinch their lip and they put this clamp on there and they tie it around and tie it to their halter because it causes a stop here so then we can fix what's going on everywhere here. And I pictured that when I saw that, that, that my horse doing that the other day, I went, God, perhaps you could do that to me. <laughs> because I went, if you could just pinch and stop what's happening here so we could find out what the problem is here. So then when I take this off, I can be an effective human being again. And so when I see that scripture, when it says, set a guard over my mouth, I'm like, yes, keep watch. <laughs> I just don't think I can create more problems if this was like <laughs> twitched, right? So that's what I see when I see this. I'm like, God, please put a twitch on my lips so that you may fix the deeper issue before I speak again and create more of a deeper issue because it's gonna happen, we're gonna speak. So set a guard. So how do we do that? We ask God, just God help me, God help me. Point number three, within point number three. Remember, we're still on the real point number three, but there's several points in number three. Point number one was take responsibility. Point number two was deal with the root, not the surface. It's a heart condition, not a mouth condition. Point number three, not to be confused with point number three, is fill with the right thing, guard against the wrong thing. Fill with the right thing, guard against the wrong things. We can't control what's going to come at us. We have zero control. I have zero control as to what all of you have to say to me or about me today. Zero control. I have every bit of control of what I allow in my heart. I have every bit of control. And that doesn't mean, because here's sometimes how we think we're guarding our heart. Bridget said that about my outfit. And I don't let those things bother me because I guard my heart. What did I just do? I just said what she said didn't bother me, but I planted a root of bitterness against Bridget in my heart. So when I'm guarding against the wrong thing, that means that I'm guarding against anything contrary to the word. I won't let bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, resentment, criticism, fault finding, none of that gets to come in and I'm gonna fill with the right thing. I'm gonna fill with the right thing. This was super cool to me. Well, 
the next part is super cool to me. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together unless they agree? Can two walk together unless they agree? I can't walk and speak the word of God unless my life agrees with the word of God. Unless I'm filling myself to agree with the word of God. I have to align in agreement with the word to walk out the word in my life. Okay, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I know we have a lot of scripture, but it's important that when we're talking about our words, that we fill ourselves with the word. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind. What? When I control my intake, that determines what I meditate, which results in what I activate. So I got to change what's coming in. Now, here's how we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because we can go, okay, so how do I do that? Now let's look at 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians 10.5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity and to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay, so how am I transformed by the renewing of my mind? How do I renew my mind? How do I change what I'm meditating on? I take every thought into captivity. If that thing exalts itself against the knowledge of my God, I'm taking it captive and I'm gonna bring it into obedience. Not just take it captive as in, I put that thought in jail. Pending bail. And we do that. We say we take it captive, but we really just stick it in a jail compartment in our mind. That's not what that means. That means I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to switch it into obedience of Christ. And that's what I'm going to meditate on. I'm going to replace that thing. Okay. Now let's look at um, Colossians 3.8. says, but now you yourselves are able to put off all these things. We're able to put these off is what we're guarding against. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. I'm renewed into the image of God who created me so I can put off these things and put on this. So I'm no longer being conformed to the world. I'm being transformed, but I'm, I, gotta, I have to be the one to put off and put on. And I wanna read 3.1 here. It says, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above where Christ is uh, where Christ sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things of above, not on things of earth. Set my mind, meditate on these things. Meditate on what God has made available, not on what's here. I choose, set my mind on things of above for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Set our minds on things that are above. Now let's look, well, I'm gonna quote it. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. We've heard that scripture, right? Okay, here's the cool part. How do we guard our heart? Let's go to Philippians 4.6. 
anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. None of that is complaining, which means something's changing, right? So if I'm not complaining, I'm not remaining. Let your request be made known to God in this part right here. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Proverbs says to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. How do we guard our heart? With all things, in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So am I really the one guarding? No, I'm submitting and speaking to the one who is guarding. Not on my understanding, not in anxious, not in anxiety, not in worry, not in fear, but I'm praying with thanksgiving. So I'm praising and praising changes, complaining remains. And so I'm going to praise that's going to change my, my circumstance. And then it's God, the peace of God guards my heart and guards my mind. And so I turn everything over to him. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. So I have to fill myself with the right thing and I have to guard against the wrong thing. Okay, and point number four is in here is that we speak up speak up we don't speak down so now we're going to explain our title a little bit here's what it means to speak up when i say that the normal definition when when you hear speak up is like speak up for what you believe in speak up and tell us how you feel okay here's what i mean by speak up and don't speak down speak up means i'm gonna speak to god about my problems and not to anyone else it says that cast your cares on him for he cares for you too often, the second we have a problem, they're posted on Facebook, they're posted on Instagram, they are spread through our workplace, they are spread through our friends. And usually we form it in the same way of like, hey, pray for me. Um, and then following that, it's just our excuse to complain. Genuinely going to someone for a prayer request is one thing. But pray for me so that we can spread our complaints to the general public is a completely different thing. And only God knows the intents of our heart. And so it's important when we speak up. Where am I taking my problems? Am I taking them to God? So that's part of speaking up. The second part of speaking up in this message is speak up, don't speak down. That means when what comes out of my mouth, when I'm facing something, when I'm walking through something, when I'm talking to someone, when I'm giving advice, when I'm giving my opinion about something, speak up means I'm going to speak above my feelings. I'm going to speak above my circumstance. I'm going to speak above my reality. I'm going to speak out of, because I've set my mind on things that are above, I will speak the truth of the word of God. I could speak out of this place of feeling. I can speak out of this place of reality. I can speak based on what someone told me and how I've been raised and based on what happened and based on my past and based on what I think is going to happen. Or I can speak up according to the word of God. One will build, one will tear. And so speak up is two things. I take my complaints to God. Speak up part two is that I speak above what I currently feel, what I currently see, what I, my current circumstance is, what I've been told, I'm gonna speak up and not down. 
speak up, not down. Romans 4, 17, I'm gonna read a couple scriptures here and then I have one quick story to share with you and then, then we'll be done. But Romans 4, 17 says, in the presence of him who believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Okay, when I'm made in the image of Christ, my words have power. God's words had power. They created the world. Our words are creating something. So when I speak up, my marriage may look like this. My finances may look like this. My home may look like this. And I can take those complaints to God instead of speaking them out here because I'll remain here if I speak them here. But if I take those and I submit those to God and then what I speak up in my reality is according to the word of God, then I'm changing my reality. I'm speaking to those things that do not exist yet as though they do. I'm speaking to that atmosphere that does not exist as though it does. I'm speaking to those finances that do not exist as though they do. Why? Because then when I'm meditating on that, when I'm activating that, then I have no choice. My life is going to be lived to back that up. I'm going to put action to where my mouth is at. Um, Proverbs 15 A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise is, uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A harsh word. A harsh, so we have control over our words. I can speak up and it be a tree of life, or I can speak down and it breaks spirits in me and those around me. That's the power that we have in our words. Um, Ephesians, and then um, I'm just going to re- relate back to Ephesians 4.29 that we read at the beginning, that our words are supposed to build up, not to tear down. Corrupt words we're not supposed to speak, but we're supposed to speak those things that build people up around us. So speak up. Don't speak down. Now, the story that I want to use to back this up really quick, and it's just super short. Let's go to 1 Samuel 1. And this is a story of Hannah, and I'll give just a little bit of, of backstory here. Is that um, at this point, Hannah had not been able to have a child. Okay, and this was a big deal, especially in Bible times, but she was not able to have a child. And this was something that she was very criticized for. And at that point, you know, when they had multiple wives, so she had, it would be like a sister wife, but she criticized her and criticized her and criticized her and put her down and constantly had just criticized the situation. And so Hannah said that she was the most valued wife of all. The, the, the husband actually valued her above all, even though she couldn't have kids. But this was something that was, that was a hurting area in her. So she's facing this circumstance where she's like, this hurts. She's facing this circumstance of I'm being criticized and I have no control over this. I'm being criticized and I can't do this. And the comparison of everyone else being able to have a child and, and her not. And so we can put ourselves in this situation, not just with child. You can put yourself in this situation in any circumstance in life where 
we feel like maybe we're insignificant compared to everyone else around us. That everyone else around us has no problem producing this, but now I can't. And now I'm being criticized for what I can't do based on what someone else can do. So this is where we're picking up in the story. Um, and I'll read just verse six. It says, her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So at this point, she, she's just, she being provoked. She's being downplayed. So you can imagine the emotions that Hannah has. But it says, we're going to pick up in, um, in verse 9. And it says, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Okay, pause here again. She's in bitterness of soul. She is facing a sour situation. She is facing a sour circumstance in her life. She is facing sourness from people around her. So this is where Hannah is in this moment. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. What did he watch? Interesting. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. Here's what I wanna point out. I love the story of Hannah because she's in this place of complete sorrow, of complete shame, of complete bitterness of soul, like she's hurting. But where did she take it? She took her complaints to God. But then here's the thing about Eli the priest. He was a very wicked priest. His house was falling apart. His sons were always drunk. His sons were, it was just this huge mess of things and everyone knew it. Hannah, out of the sour situation she was facing, could have very easily been like, you wanna to talk to me about drunk? Come at me, bro. Let's talk about your house, right? I'm ticked off and you really just do not wanna jack with me at this time. Okay, that would probably be most of our reaction. Like I'm hurting and I am dealing something with God and I have left you out of it. Do not insert yourself into this situation right now. Okay, it is dangerous for you and everyone else and the assumed drunk lady is about to take you out. Okay, that would be our feeling in this moment. Here's what her words said. No, my Lord. My Lord is speaking with honor that she's in this situation. She is pouring her heart out before God and some hypocrite priest calls her drunk. She responds with honor with her words. How could she do that? 
because of the abundance. It's because she was speaking up because she took the complaints and the sour situation she was facing to God. She didn't take them to her husband. Her husband asked her what was wrong. She did not tell him. She went to the Lord. She went to the Lord. She took the sour situation, said, I'm gonna give it to God. And she's speaking it to God. And then when this jerk has something to say to her, she responds with honor. She chose to speak up yet again. So I'm speaking up here. And now I'm speaking up above how I feel and above my circumstance because the abundance in me is to honor my God more than it is to speak out of the hurt that I'm feeling. And she was able to speak up and it says, no, my Lord, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint in grief, I have spoken until now saying until this moment, I've been speaking out of the abundance and grief, but I gave it to God. But now I'm speaking out of honor and I'm speaking out of the abundance of what's in me as far as honor and as far as life. And then what happens? Verse 18, let your maid servant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad because she chose to speak up God honored her and her entire circumstance was changed. And even the hypocrite priest was able to pronounce a blessing on her that God used him to pronounce a blessing. And that's where we get the prophet Samuel. I wonder if she would have dishonored the priest. I wonder if she would have just said what she felt in it. In our world, we're like, yeah, she got every right. Tell him. I wonder if she would have. I wonder if he would have. Why? Because she spoke to him in a place of honor. And from that place of honor, God was able to speak through him to her and her need was met. Her circumstance changed because of honor and lifting and speaking up those things to God and speaking up above her circumstance and not down on this level. And everything changed. Everything changed. And so that fourth point inside, point number three, how do we change it? That fourth point is to speak up, not down. We speak up to God and we speak above what we're facing. And there's examples and examples and examples and examples and examples throughout the word of God. In Romans 12, 21, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. And then when you read, I mean, the the Bible tells us to bless those who persecute you, to love those who spitefully use you. How do we do those things? Because of how the abundance is in our heart. Our words matter. Our words, a small thing that makes a very big difference. Our words hold power. Speak up. And I encourage you, go back through this message. What am I spreading? What's the root? Why am I spreading it? And how do I fix it? I take responsibility for it. I fill myself from these things. I guard myself from these things. I speak up. Okay, all important things. What's the root? I got to change the heart condition, not the mouth condition. But our words matter and our words make a difference. We're going to face things. But remember, all the same ingredients were in this cup. The abundance is what comes out. The sour things are still going to be there. But when there's an abundance of the word of God, that's a healthy drink and it's yummy. 
when the abundance is the sourness and there's a little bit of the word, that's pretty sour for everybody that tastes it. And so our life will have an abundance, but it's out of the abundance that our mouth speaks. Yeah? So we're going to change our words. We're going to pay attention to what we're spreading. We're going to pay attention to what's being put into our heart. Because our words hold power. Our words make a difference. Will you all stand with me? Our words hold so much power in our realities. Our words hold so much power in our homes that our words, even as, you know, a, a wife and what it talks about, a, a Proverbs 31 woman, and um, if you're not a wife yet, even in the atmosphere of your home, in your friendships, there's so much power on our words that set the atmosphere in our homes, set the atmosphere for our kids, set the atmosphere for our spouse, set the atmosphere of, of family members, and set the atmosphere, you can set the atmosphere of your workplace with your words. Because here's the cool thing. It's not your words when you're submitted to God's word. And it says that the angels hearken over the word of God being spoke. The angels hearken over the word of God being spoke. That we have angels that are just waiting of going, Activate the word and watch it work on your behalf. There's power in the word of God, not in Shelby's words. There's power in the word of God. And when I choose to speak the word and I choose to activate the word, because sometimes when Hannah spoke honor to the priest, she wasn't quoting a scripture. But it was honor because of the word being activated in her life that she chose honor over how she felt. And so it'll be situations that you may not be quoting a scripture necessarily, but you'll be responding and activating the word of God in your life and in those situations. And when we do that, we see the power of God can come from sources we didn't even think was possible for the power of God to come through because we chose to speak the word in those circumstances. So my encouragement to us is your words have power. Our words have power. Complaining will only cause us to remain. Praising will cause change. And we saw that praising and thankfulness, submitting those things to God is what sets a guard over our heart. And it's okay to ask God. God, put a guard over my mouth. Guard it up. Twitch it. So that you can fix what's really going on. But our words have power.